0: From Boston, Massachusetts. You're listening to the Technology Equals Equality Podcast. Hey, welcome back to the Technology Equals Equality Podcast. I'm your host, Lori Brooks, and this is episode 58. Thank you guys so much for joining me here for this episode. I am super excited about today's episode as I get to welcome Big Joe to the show. Big Joe is the name given to him by the preschoolers he once taught, and it's the same name he now uses as a professional storyteller. Hailed as one of the best in the business by the Boston Globe, Big Joe has been delighting children and families for many years with his exciting storytelling show. With a huge collection of original and classic tales, as well as a box filled with puppets, props, and surprises, Big Joe has added lots of humor and fun to birthday parties, schools, libraries, and all kinds of events across New England. If you love stories, you'll love the unique and wonderful experience of seeing Big Joe the Storyteller. Joe, welcome, and thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So we would love to go ahead and jump into the story of how it is you once saw the future before. Before you decided to become an entrepreneur? When
1: I was much younger, I wanted to be a firefighter, and then, you know, when I learned there's actual fire involved and it's very, I didn't want to be a firefighter anymore. I wanted to be a police officer, and then, you know, they shoot at you, so I'm not doing that either. Safer career, that's what I was heading into. (laughs) The kind of work with kids I've always had since I was younger, you know, I, I was always the babysitter, I was always the one to take care of kids. I'm very good at making kids laugh, at making kids happy. And I saw myself as some sort of a, you know, either a teacher or an entertainer or something in that sort of realm, you know, and I and I saw that, but it was growing up, you know, as a boy, that's sort of frowned upon, you know, you want to be a teacher, why do you want to do that? And when I had a desire to become a preschool teacher, that was even more of a stigma that like, no, men don't go into preschool teaching, It's it's a field for mostly women. And, you know, I said, no, that's, you know, really what I want to do. And so when I went to college, I went to Wheelock, which is 99.9% women, which is kind of weird being, you know, the only guy there. But that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to get into teaching. You know, originally I wanted to teach, you know, second or third grade, but I somehow managed to get myself into preschool teaching. And it, it became pretty nice. And that was what I liked. The problem is preschool teaching is not really a profession you can make a living off of. You know, it's it's a tough little racket because they don't pay you much and conditions are bad, the hours are bad, everything's kind of not good. And so I was at a point where suddenly the vision that I had for my future was kind of cloudy because as much as I wanted to be a teacher, teaching wasn't exactly the most profitable way to go or the best sort of way to go for me and it was an easy job to get burnt out on and that's what I was starting to do I've always had a knack for telling stories I've always been sort of a storyteller you know people would say liar but you know when I'm not getting paid at it's lying when I'm getting paid it's storytelling so it works out well and in that regard it, I've always been sort of that way I've always been a storyteller Um, you know, I'm the epitome of the joke. When I was one my parents thought I would never talk. When I was two, they thought I'd never shut up. Pretty much been my life thus far. And even when I was, you know, before I was a preschool teacher, I would tell stories. And when I when I taught preschool, I'd love story time. I would love, you know, reading books, making up my own stories, just being with that and engaging them in that way. And it always kinda, you know, thrilled me. And I always thought to myself, You know, while I was a preschool teacher, it would be so cool if I could just have these kind of moments of being able to interact with them through stories, you know, telling stories, being, you know, with them in that way. Um, But I never thought, you know, the the sort of world of storytelling existed, you know, they didn't have that on career day in high school, you know, be a storyteller, they, you know, it was never mentioned. I never thought, and I knew storytellers existed. I mean, I've seen storytellers throughout my life and always loved them, just never thought I could do it as a career And we had a music guy who would come once a month to our preschool and and sing songs to the kids. And I thought, what a great life he leads. He, you know, he comes for an hour and he's gone. And here I am eight hours a day dealing with four year olds that are trying to kill me. What a great life this guy leads. And then one day I was doing, I was um, bringing something into the office and I happened to see the invoice that he had left in the office for his show. And I saw how much he was charging. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You know, here I was making 16 cents an hour, practically, and, and he's getting that. I'm like, whoa. And so I sort of bent his ear and I, I asked him, I said, is there a world out there for storytellers? You know, I know there's, I know there's like magicians and, and musicians and all kinds of creative things like that. But I said, are there, you know, storytellers? He's like, well, there's not really a lot of storytellers for preschool ages and for the younger ages. And so I said, let me give it a shot. And so I put together some stories that I had and some stories, you know, that I knew, put it together a little thing, and I started kind of doing it as sort of a side thing to preschool teaching, you know, I did it at parties, did it for little things, and eventually it got bigger and bigger to the point where, you know, I left teaching in general and got a job in an after-school program so I could have more time to perform, and then it just got bigger and bigger to the point where I could leave that job and, you know, just become a storyteller full-time and, And a bunch of years later, here we are talking to lovely people in Skype.
0: You are absolutely outstanding. I love that story. And I just want to take it back just a little bit because I think it's really important for the audience to hear a couple of of quick pieces there. Because as a kid, you really were, you know... You were like any other kid. You had dreams, you had ideas, you were thinking of a firefighter or a policeman. And then, you know what? Consciousness set in and, and risk aversion became a real, you know, a reality. <laughs> and so, as you started looking at who you were, um, you know, really kind of taking a turn inwards and recognizing your own strengths and your passions and, and what it was you enjoyed. Then you began realizing, you know what, I might want to be a preschool teacher. And you began following your own path until, again, you had a moment of, of consciousness where you realized it wasn't the lifestyle that you were looking for. Um, it wasn't going to serve you in the manner that you wanted to. And there was so much more that you wanted to do, but you weren't feeling fulfilled. And I think that's important because some, there's so many people, Joe, you and I both know there are so many people who are working jobs that they thought was their dream but are no longer feeling fulfilled in that position no matter what it might be. You may have reached a goal that you thought was that ultimate goal in life and then kind of realized that you may need to shift gears and being open and available to taking that pivot is extremely important. So, You not only recognized once again that, you know what, this isn't necessarily something that's right for me, taking another look at yourself. You saw in someone else an expertise and an opportunity. And you didn't just sit back and say, oh, I wish or envy that. You took action. You recognized there was that opportunity and you went and spoke to him. You took the initiative to ask How did you do it? What the heck are you doing? And sometimes that's all it takes for you to get that little push and that little opportunity and that little bit of motivation and, and recognition that, you know what? I could pull this off too. I, I could definitely do it. And from there, you then took steps to set yourself up to make a smooth transition into where you wanted to be. That's, it's that. Thank you for wrapping that all up.
1: When you put it like that, yeah, my story sounds awesome that way. I tell you, yeah, Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah,
0: I mean, you—you really did. You—you wrapped up such a journey there because you had these transitional moments and these moments that were, you know what I mean, where you realize, you know what, this isn't necessarily what it is that I need to be doing. And you took that time to reflect, but you didn't just reflect you took the action and that's so important and that's kind of why i wanted to rewind there because you you just you pack so much in there jeff so,
1: yeah i tend to go i tend to ramble on so always always feel free to stop me because i talk for a living so this is this is the way i go
0: <laughs> you're hilarious what do you think was one of the hardest parts of you know, making that transition when you began doing the storytelling on the side um, initially and just kind of testing out the waters, what do you feel was the most difficult part of going from that teaching position and doing this on the side to transitioning into, you know, part-time on either side and then fully, you know, transitioning into full-time storytelling?
1: The one word, to sum it up in one word, is paycheck because – as little as they were paying me as a preschool teacher, every Friday on Friday, they would give me a check. It wasn't right. a big check, but it was a check. And the dangerous part, or the scary part, anyway, of becoming an entrepreneur and jumping out of my own is that uncertainty of not having a paycheck at the end of the week. You know, I had my part-time job. I worked for an after-school program in East Boston. And remind me to tell you a little tangent story on that one, because it's kind of fun and heartbreaking all at the same time. Um, I got plenty of stories. Um, But, you know, I was getting a check from there, but that was just to sort of give me something to supplement my income. But the storytelling that I was doing on the side was kind of, you know, at first it was kind of hit or miss. You know, some weeks were better than others. Some weeks I had more shows, some weeks less. And so there wasn't that sort of consistent rate of pay. And so it was hard to kind of quantify you know, how I was doing because it was an up and down kind of a thing. I mean, even now it sort of, you know, gets a little dicey every now and again, but less so in the last, you know, bunch of years since I've, I've sort of, you know, made the leap into, you know, the popular little monkey that I am. Um, but when I started, it was it was hard because I'm always, I'm a little nervous about things, you know what I'm saying, about sort of success or failure, and I always, you know, worry you know, what if I'm not able to get money this week? What if, you know, I, I don't get the thing? And that was very nerve wracking at first. But you know, it and it was hard sometimes because sometimes I'd have you know, when I'd have those sort of stretches of no shows or no bookings, I'd think to myself, Should I bail? Should I, you know, just go back into teaching or do whatever? But then I thought, No, let me just stick it out and see how it goes and if you know, take a shot and see where it leads me and you know, thankfully I did because had I not stuck with it, it wouldn't have been the success that it is now. But, you know, it was very hard to do that at first. You know, that that sort of uncertainty. And you know, it was kind of, kind of oogie, if that's a word.
0: <laughs> it is now.
1: So, yeah. you know what?
0: <laughs> Pointing
1: words. That's what I'm doing.
0: <laughs> no, I, I totally agree 100%. I think that is one of the most dangerous and difficult parts of making making that sort of a transition um you know there's many many entrepreneurs much like myself who are somewhat thrust into entrepreneurship for one reason or another um like I you know uh, many of the listeners know the story where I was diagnosed with Crohn's and put on an unpaid medical leave and at that point I, I said to myself it's Good time to do something else. Um, <laughs> versus sit around and, and dwell on, you know, what I could have been sitting around to dwell on. Um, and it's, it's it, a different thing. It takes a lot of gut and willpower to begin stepping away from that security, to begin stepping away from that knowledge that you don't have to question how you're going to make ends meet. You know that on Friday they're going to be there, and it's it's very very different when you're dealing with a situation of personal clients and not having a structured way to have them coming in the door, and just kind of go with your gut into the. You know. <laughs> so the the uncertainty the and the willpower you know the the balance of how you managed to get through that portion, what do you think really kept you going during that period of uncertainty, during that period of, of, you know, distrust in what was going to come next?
1: Well, it was sort of the, you know, the, the thing that kept me going was considering the alternative because know, I've had jobs in my life. I worked the stop and shop for a while, I was in college. I had, you know, different jobs here or there. I've had different teaching jobs. And I kept saying to myself the alternative is going back into teaching because that's what I was sort of qualified for. That's what most of my experience was. And I said if, you know, as as nerve-wracking as this is, the alternative is is kind of, I mean, not worse. It's not like it's a death sentence. It's teaching. It's, you know, not coal mining or anything. No offense to coal miners, but um you know, the thing was, it wasn't a bad alternative, but it was not, it was sort of an unsavory alternative. It was a thing I didn't want to go back to. I wanted to, you know, do that. And so that kept me sort of going, you know, as nerve wracking as it was, I knew I'd have to stick it out and play it out until the point, you know, if it totally wasn't working, I'd have to go to plan B. I'd have to go back into teaching or do something else. But, you know, I knew if I considered the alternative, what I wanted to do was worth trying to do much.
0: You had faith in yourself and you recognized the simplicity of the pros and cons of the situation. Just basically, you know what? Here's the worst that could happen. So why bother going back to that now? And that's what a lot of people should consider if they are in a position where. You know, they're questioning whether or not an entrepreneurial journey is something that they're interested in. It, I mean, clearly it must be if, if you're listening to the show, it's something you're, you may be fumbling with. And if it is, and you're in a position where, you know what, much like Joe, you found the job or the dream job or the dream career that you thought you wanted and you're just not feeling fulfilled think about it that's pretty much what you're going to go back to is is what it is that you're not feeling fulfilled with so why would you bother doing that now why not take the chance on yourself if if nothing else um so that i love that you you know went for it joe and and made sure that you set that security up for yourself in making that transition um what do you feel helped you the most during making the transition? The paycheck was the hardest part, um, you know, and of course, you know, having the willpower to get through it. But when you were making that transition and you were dealing with going from full-time teaching into part-time teaching, how were you able to set that self, you know, set that position up for yourself to make that easier? Um, Was that something that, you began looking for, or was it something that just kind of happened upon you and decided, okay, this is the opportunity. What do you feel really helped you make that you know initial transition into starting this on a part time basis
1: well see i i the problem that I had initially is you know I was doing birthday parties I did some you know a couple of events I knew some people that had a um an entertainment company where they did corporate events. And so I got hired through them to do different different things, um, you know, and, and things like that. But the problem was a lot of my core business was preschools and schools. And the problem was I was teaching during the day, and that's when schools were in session. And so I had, you know – I had no ability to take shows, and you know, I was being offered shows during the day for preschools and elementary schools, but I wasn't able to take them because I was, you know, still teaching full time. And right. so I decided, you know, I could work in an after-school program because that had, you know, late afternoon and early evening hours, and so I could do shows during the day, at you know, as a storyteller, and then work in the late afternoon and evening in the after-school program. So that way I could balance things out. So that I could still have sort of the money coming in from, the, from my after school job, but, but be able to ply my trade during the day when, you know, business was there. And I, you know, sort of had a, a plan to sort of wean myself off of, you know, actual work, as it were, you know, working in the, in the after school program. When I got to the point of success, you know, when I got to the point where I could, you know, stabilize my income with my storytelling then I can make the transition, you know, out of the part-time job and into full-time storytelling. And so it always, you know, it evens out in the end. So,
0: Joe, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, the storytelling as a whole. Tell us about the type of stories that you tell some of your audiences and, and where some of your audiences are located. I know you're, I believe, Brookline or Brighton, Massachusetts, correct?
1: Yep. Yep. I live in Brighton. I, I, figured early on, I have limited business sense. That's the sort of side of this, this <laughs> job that I've had to develop. You know, I, I'm very good at being a storyteller. I can write stories, tell stories, but it's the business side of things that I had to sort of learn as I went on. And um, the thing was, I had to look at my market. There's, as I said, there's a lot of stories storytellers out there. Um, in fact, there's a large community of storytellers in Massachusetts. The problem is a lot of storytellers do shows for older, you know, older children and adults. And the problem is there's not a lot of venues for those. And so business is few and far between when you do that. And so because I had experience as a preschool teacher and because I sort of liked that age, I did a lot of, I do a lot of storytelling for that age group. And that's where the bulk of my business comes from, because they need enrichment, they need, you know, different forms of art to come in, and that's the need that I fill. And so a lot of the stories that I have are on sort of that level, you know, fairy tales, folk tales, you know, kids, you know, I have stories all the way up to adults. You know, I have stories for pretty much every age, but that's the age that I love the most, you know, the preschool, kindergarten age. And so the stories that I have are stories, you know, with that demographic in mind. You know, and when I write stories, I write it sort of on that level. So I like stories that are fun and funny, and they're cute because, you know, four-year-olds and five-year-olds think some of the silliest things are funny as heck. And, you know, and that's, that's the kind of way my brain is, too, you know, which is, which is really sad some days. You know, it's good for this job, but, you know, that I could think of like a five-year-old, but not good for any other part of my life, so... That's you know, my wife whose eye twitches constantly because this is the way I behave. so
0: <laughs> So you write all of your own stories, I'm assuming. you don't use familiar stories of any sort that, that the kids would be um, you know familiar with. You write your own stories and then create your own characters. Um, is, that, is that correct? Yeah, a little little of both,
1: actually. I I have, you know, I I use stories, I have, you know, tons of storytelling resource material, you know, multicultural tales, tales from around the world, and I also tell a lot of classic stories, three pigs, things like that, so I balance it out. I have sort of a little of everything, so that way, you know, especially when I'm trying to get an audience familiar with what I do, I start with something familiar, you know, sort of a classic tale, Jack and the Beanstalk, three pigs. Something to sort of get them used to what this is, because a lot of people have never seen a storyteller, you know, and you. they've been read books, they've had, you know, stories like that, but no one's ever seen a physical, actual storyteller, and so I start them off with something traditional, something familiar, and then move on into, you know, stories from different places, and a lot of stories that I write on my own, so I have a good balance in my collection of, of tales, you know, I have a little, little bit of everything, so.
0: <laughs> awesome. And I also know that you host and provide workshops. Um, so, can you tell us a little bit about those?
1: I do indeed. Um, well, you know, the cool part about storytelling is that it's it's a very neat art form. It's also a very accessible art form. It's something that everyone can do. Everyone has a story. If you've ever spent, I mean, you have a child, so you've you've heard stories. You know, when 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 your child was young. You know when they talk as soon as they can talk they tell stories their whole life exists in stories and so it's something that everyone can do and when i got got in the field and started telling stories i saw that there was a need for it in the classroom and even with parents you know about telling stories because it's it's a really you know it's what i do for living but boiled down to its essence it's a very simple sort of an art form it's something that everyone can do and with a few techniques a few different things you can really be an effective storyteller, you know, and and you can really make a difference. And so I I have workshops with teachers to help them, you know, sort of tell stories in the classroom and, and, you know, where to find material, how to present it, you know, different ways to engage the audience. And it's really made a difference in a lot of places. You know, I've gotten a lot of positive reviews that people say, you know, it, it has really helped, you know, that end of the curriculum, which is nice. And that's what I, you know, try to do because I, you know... Um, I've always had a passion for, you know, reading and literacy, and, and anything that sort of supports that and helps that along, I'm, you know, always willing to help and do my part. And so, you know, doing the workshops really helps to sort of spread the good word of, of storytelling and reading. And, you know, I like to do that to sort of, you know, inspire others to do what I kind of do.
0: I love that you are continuing with your teaching as well as the storytelling, like you have wrapped it all up and it's just another one of the pivots in, in your journey and your growth as an entrepreneur. Um, and again, I just thought that was a really cool piece to kind of pull out there and, and to have the audience recognize that, you know what? He still gets to do teaching. You know what I mean? Like It's not like you left the teaching behind. You've still worked it into what you do, and it's still a big piece of who you are as a storyteller. So I commend you for the setup there and, and the way you've designed everything. Um, that's outstanding. Joe, if you had a time machine and could go back, say, 10, 15 years and tell yourself one thing, what do you think that would be?
1: Other than buying stock in Google, because that's what I would certainly do, that made me you know that would be a good thing. But I'm always buying the wrong thing, so you know I you know I put money in AOL. That was good no, I'm kidding. Um But I would basically tell myself to as you know as bad as not bad as it would be, but but to leave teaching earlier than I did. You know I think I stayed in the field as a preschool teacher about three years too long, you know, I was starting to get antsy, starting to get burnt out, but I stuck with it because I didn't see another option, you know, and I was, you know, the, the sort of thought of being a storyteller kind of was, was rumbling around in my head, but I never thought I could actually bring it to fruition and make myself a storyteller, and so that kind of fear led me to stay longer than I should, and if I had a time machine, I would say, you know what, get out get out there and do it sooner. You know, that way you can, you know, be a little more ahead of the game and start, you know, start the process earlier. Because then I would have you know, would be a little more, you know, further along than I am at the moment. And which is, you know, which is I'm cool with where I am. You know, I'm very happy to be in the position I'm a, I am in life. But, you know, it, it could have started soon. I could have saved myself a little, a little less, you know, a little more aggravation. It would have been, you know, less aggravation on me. So I could have saved a bunch of that. You know, and I would have definitely told myself to take more chances, you know, just just don't be, because it is, it is kind of hard, as we discussed, about, you know, not having that steady paycheck. It's right. kind of, you know, a little nerve-wracking, but take chances, you know. Don't worry about, you know, I mean, obviously, don't put yourself in a position where you're going to be in financial ruin and end up, you know, you know, having a big sign on the side of the road that said, we'll tell stories for food, but, you know. But take a little more chance and get a little more out there. Take a few more risks to try to, you know, get what you want in a, you know, in a quicker way or a better way. That's the point.
0: Definitely. Be open to opportunity, recognize, you know, and, and try to be able to recognize when those opportunities are available. Yep. Believe in yourself, you know, and, and really try to go for go for it versus hindering yourself. Sometimes you, you don't need to listen to that internal voice like dude that's not gonna work out, <laughs> but Joe you know, the show is really designed to you know help entrepreneurs come up with an idea for a new industry kind of pull something out of somewhere that we haven't actually had the opportunity to explore on the show. so being that you are our very first storyteller, I am very curious what your answer to this very next question might be. Uh. If you could do one thing, if you could change one thing, anything at all in your business, what would it be and why?
1: That is pretty much an easy answer for me. I would have somebody handling me. I would, have, I want, would want someone doing the business side of the business. As I tell people, the best analogy, the best way I could put it is that right now, I'm organ grinder and monkey, and I'd rather just be monkey. Uh, someone turned the crank and I dance. That's the way I would like life to be because, you know, the hardest part of doing what I do sometimes is that as I get busier, as I get more popular, you know, my, my schools that I work with are in Boston, Brookline, but they're also in different parts of the state and they're in New Hampshire and they're Rhode Island and I do things in Connecticut and the busier I get and the bigger I get, the harder it is to maintain the creative side of me because that's mm-hmm hard thing because what I do is not just, you know, I'm not like selling a product and I'm not selling, you know, a, a, you know, a a thing. It's an actual thing. I'm actually selling me. So I have to actually go out there and do all the shows. And so it's very hard to balance the creative side of me and the business side of me. And so if I have that magic wand and could wave it, I'd have somebody sort of doing that side of things, you know what I'm saying? Getting shows for me. You know, booking dates, you know, giving, you know, opening new opportunities for me because you put me in front of an audience and I'll kill. That's never a problem with me. It's a matter of getting in front of that audience, That that's the challenge. I'm It's a matter of finding the contact, you know, getting the show, getting the bookings, doing all the contract work, Then to the show. You know, there's a lot to get to to the end product, and yep. the end product is awesome. It's just getting there that's a really, you know, hard task sometimes.
0: Yeah, definitely. You know, when, when you're caught up in working in the business and doing what it is that you love, it's very, very difficult to focus on managing the business and actually moving forward with scaling. Um, so I 100% hear you loud and clear. That's a good one, Joe. Please share the best way for our listeners to go ahead and find you so that, you know, if they're interested in having you stop by to do a story or interested in participating in in any of your workshops please share the best way for them to find you
1: the easiest way is, is through my website which is bigjoe.com. nice and easy that was the coup of my business by the way because you know this was back in the late 90s when the internet was just sort of getting big and a big co- clothing company had given up the name bigjoe.com, and I scooped it up and I had it before I had any sort of a business and now that I have it it's really cool because it's you know it's something that everybody kind of wants you know it's nice and simple it's big com, and and like you know my email is big joe at dot com. nice and easy and you know that's that's sort of the best way to reach
0: <laughs> joe you have been absolutely wonderful thank you so much for joining us today thank you so much for everything you have only what you're looking to get out of to go back to like joe said Consider the alternatives, you know, when those negative little voices are creeping in as you venture on your first entrepreneurial journey. Just consider the alternatives. And then feel free to reach out to Big Joe at BigJoe.com. You can always reach him through our show notes page at Technology-Equality.com forward slash Big Joe. Technology-Equality.com forward slash Big big joe if you want to check out the show notes page for this episode thank you joe for joining us for this episode and sharing your time and expertise with the community and techie community thank you guys for joining me here for episode number 58 don't forget to head over to itunes and click on that subscribe button so you don't miss a thing and until our next episode when we continue to hear the journey find the pain and create solutions enjoy the week